Amen. Just one more time with all of our heart. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? He's worthy of our praise. Amen. I just want to thank you for being here this evening. Pastor Darrell said to me before he, he walked out, he had to take care of something for me. But he said, you know, I know that we're low in numbers because we've got people, but give it all you got. And I want you to know, I hope you know, I always give it all that I've got. So whether we've got 20, whether we've got 200 or 2000, the spirit of the Lord is here and I'm going to give you all that I've got. And I just pray that we receive what God has for us. Amen. We're going to continue in our series on our or continue in our journey uh, to the cross. Uh, I'm going to make a little bit of a shift into the um, the divine exchange this evening. The title of my message actually tonight is the divine exchange. Part one, his punishment for our forgiveness. How many of you are thankful for his forgiveness? Amen. But before we go any further, let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. Ask that he anoint me and anoint you so that we might receive everything that he has for us. Amen. Father God, I just thank you that your presence is in this place tonight. God, you're worthy of all of our praise. So we praise you this evening for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your mercies, which are new every morning. I thank you, Father God, that I don't have to stand here alone this evening, struggling to bring forth your word because you've promised me the gift of your Holy Spirit. So, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would rise up within me, anoint my mind, my body, my mouth, everything about me, Father God, that your word would come forth with clarity, with anointing, with strength, with passion, with whatever you want to do with your word. And I pray, God, that your people would be anointed as well, anointed to receive, anointed to pay attention, anointed to not to be distracted, anointed, Father God, to receive everything that you have for them, anointed, Father God, to even have the courage to receive the things that might be difficult this evening to hear. And God, but I pray that in the midst of all of it, that we would see the cross in the midst of all of it tonight, Father God, that we would get a greater glimpse of your son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that he made and what it means to us in our lives. We give you the praise and the glory. Once again, all of our people say, Amen. Amen. So far, church, we have, in this journey to the cross, we've looked at uh, Christ as the one all-sufficient sacrifice. And I'm not going to repeat all of this stuff. I'm just going to tell you where we've been so far in our journey. But so far, we've, on our journey, we've looked at Christ as the one all-sufficient sacrifice, the one sacrifice that was fully acceptable to God. We've discovered that the cross is the only cure for our condition the only cure for the fact that our heart is above all deceitful and desperately wicked, the Bible says. But we found the cure for that, and the cure is the cross of Jesus Christ. We've learned that the cross is to be at the center stage or at the center of every portion and every part of our life, overshadowed by nothing and clouded by nothing and crowded by nothing and covered up by nothing. The cross of Jesus Christ is to be at the center stage with no distractions. It should be the center point of our faith. Finally, last week, we learned that through the cross, we received everything we need. And how many of you are glad that through the cross, we've got everything we need? Amen. It's all been provided for. And I hope that you received that last week. But also last week, I began to introduce us to the fact that a divine exchange took place on the cross of Jesus Christ. An exchange that we looked at where we, des- where, where we got what he deserved and where Jesus got what we deserved. 
an exchange where all the evil, all the wrath, all the judgment, all of the punishment that was due to us by justice came on Jesus so that all the goodness due to Jesus earned by his sinless obedience upon a cross might be made available to us or come upon us instead. This is the divine exchange that took place upon the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the place where we got what he deserved and he got what we deserved. How many of you know we came up on the better end of that bargain? We came up on the better end of that deal and every single day we ought to glorify God that we got what he deserved Because he was willing to take what we deserved. And every single day, we ought to walk according to that great deal that Jesus made available to us, church. How many of you are thankful for that exchange? For Jesus taking our place. For Jesus taking our punishment. For Jesus being willing to face the wrath of the Father instead of you and me. You see, the reality is, and I know that you know it, but if Jesus didn't step in and take our place, we'd be facing the wrath of God today. We'd be facing the judgment of God today, the chastisement of God and the punishment of God in our lives. But because Jesus was willing to step in and be a part of this divine exchange, we're able to enjoy the goodness of God and the grace of God instead. He suffered so that we might have life and have life more abundantly. Remember, the cross was where a divine, supernatural exchange took place. And I highlighted these nine exchanges last week. I'll highlight them once again real quick before I get into detail or detail the first one. But the cross is where Jesus was punished so we might be forgiven. It's one of the nine divine exchanges that took place and the one that we'll look at tonight. The cross is where Jesus was wounded so that we might be healed. It's where Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness so that we might become his righteousness instead. The cross is where Jesus died our death so that we might share his life. How many are thankful for that life? Amen. The cross is where Jesus was made a curse so that we might receive the blessing. The cross of Jesus Christ is where he carried our poverty so that we might share in his abundance. It's where Jesus bore our shame so that we might share in his glory. It's where Jesus endured our rejection so that we might find and share in his acceptance. Finally, the cross is where our old man died in Jesus so the new man might rise up within you and me. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I have the ability to have a new man rise up inside of me. Because all of you can remember the old man that used to be. There's an ugly man, sinful man, wicked man, selfish man. Every now and then, if you're honest with yourself, like I am with I, that old man tries to make its way back into our lives. But as long as we go to the cross, as long as we hide ourselves in Jesus Christ, as long as we continue to crucify that old man with Jesus Christ, we might walk in newness of life. This is all part of the divine exchange that took place upon the cross of Christ. And what my goal is over the next next few weeks is to teach you and I, listen, I'm a student here as well, amen, is to teach you and I how we might appropriate this divine exchange into our lives and experience the fullness of what that exchange offers in our lives. The reality is, I think so often, we forget what Jesus really did on the cross. 
I think there's a lot of times we forget the actual work of Jesus Christ upon the cross and what it means for you and me above just the forgiveness of our sins. And it's what I'm going to look at tonight. But these are the nine divine exchanges that took a place upon the cross. Nine exchanges that were ordered and ordained by God. All of these exchanges, which are, are, are part of the perfect will and the divine will of God for our lives. And over the next few weeks, I'll detail them. The first one that I want to show you is how Jesus was punished so that we might be forgiven. But I want to show you before I even go to that church, I want to lay, continue to lay a proper foundation so we get a true understanding so that over the next few weeks we can truly understand the work of Jesus Christ. But I want to show you once again how sufficient and complete the work of Christ upon the cross was in our lives. I want us to remember the work on the cross or the work of the cross uh, is completely complete and lacks absolutely nothing in our lives like I talked about and we learned last week. I don't want to lose you here. I don't want to get too teachy in any of these, uh, uh, you know, teachings that I give to you or too theological. So I want to keep them easy for us to understand so we can appropriate them in our lives. But I want to teach you how all-sufficient the work of Christ was upon the cross and remind us that in this divine exchange, we have received everything that we need. Amen. So if you look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse nine to 13, it says, then he, Jesus said, behold, I have come to do thy will. And as we learned a couple weeks ago, God's will was the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want us to remember that God's will was always for Jesus to go to the cross so that the world through him might be saved. And we're part of the world. It was always part of God's divine will for Jesus Christ to go to the cross so that we might be benefactors of this divine exchange that took place upon the cross. So that we might come out of darkness into God's glorious light, church. So that we might go from being lost to being found. So that we might go from being blind to being able to see. I want you to understand that this in this divine exchange, something happened. And part of that is that God brought us out of darkness so that we might come into his glorious light. It's the exchange that was made available to us on the cross, because the reality is without the cross, you and I would still be lost without the cross. You and I would still be blind without the cross. You and I would be partying it up. We'd be we'd be bound by sin. We'd be all these things. We'd be living in complete darkness separate. Separated by God from God, but because of the work of Jesus Christ in this divine exchange that took place upon an old rugged cross 2000 years ago, you and I might be able to experience the fullness of what was made available to us. A divine exchange. And by this will, Paul says in verse 10, I'm still in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9 to 13. But verse 10 says, and by this will, Paul says, by the will of the cross and by the work of the cross, we have been sanctified to the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Letting us know that the work of Jesus Christ was completely complete, like I talked to you about. Like it was fully full. It was not lacking in anything. There was nothing more that Jesus had to do. We have been sanctified to the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Because he was the one all-sufficient sacrifice. Paul continues to write in the same chapter, now in verses 11 to 13, and he says, And every priest stands daily ministering and making offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, but he, Jesus, as priest, 
And I want you to remember again, not to teach you, but Jesus, I want you to remember, was both priest and sacrifice. Jesus was both high priest and the lamb that was slain for the remission of our sins. And you need to understand that in this process. What you and I need to understand and remember is that there was only one priest that was worthy to offer the all-sufficient sacrifice. There was only one priest that was holy enough and only one priest that was righteous enough. There was only one priest that was acceptable enough to even offer the precious Lamb of God which could take away the sins of the world. You see, there was no man that could offer Jesus. There was no man holy enough, no man righteous enough, no high priest high enough that could even lay down the the, the precious Lamb of God or offer it to the Father. I want you to understand that when Jesus came on the scene, He came on as a holy high priest that could offer the spotless Lamb of God which could take away the sins of man. Jesus was your high priest. Jesus is your high priest. And Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. He was both priest and sacrifice. And this is what he says. And every priest stands daily making, offering time after time the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. But he, Jesus, as priest, offered one sacrifice himself for sins for all time and sat down at the right hand of God. And by that one offering that was fully acceptable to God, verse 14 says, He has perfected forever those who are sanctified. And here's what I want to teach you about His all-sufficiency. Here's what I want to teach you about the finality, church, of this divine exchange. Verse 11 tells us that the priests stood daily ministering and making sacrifices and offerings to God because their work was never done. I want you to realize that the priests stood daily ministering and making sacrifices because their work was never done. Because they were not able to offer a sacrifice that would once and for all wash away the sins of man. They stood daily because the sacrifices were temporary. They stood daily because their work was never complete. Because their sacrifices were never sufficient to satisfy the Father for all time. The priests stood daily making offerings and making sacrifices because they were only a type and a shadow of the permanent priest and the the permanent sacrifice that would come, church. Here's what you need to understand. They, They had to stand daily offering because their work was never finished. But here's what you need to see. But when Jesus as high priest offered himself as the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth, the Bible says he was able to sit down at the right hand of the father because his work was finished. Because his work was done. He was able to sit down because there was nothing more Jesus could do. Because there was nothing left undone. Nothing was incomplete. Jesus made that sacrifice of himself. And when he was finished making that sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of the Father because there was nothing else he could do. Why do you think the Bible says that if you don't accept this sacrifice, there's no other sacrifice? Because Jesus can't do anything more than He already did to save your soul from hell. Nothing else. He did what He did and He sat down because He was the all-sufficient priest and He was the all-sufficient sacrifice. His work was done. 
His, his offering lacked nothing, church. Jesus sat down, like I said, because there was no more work to do. It was fully finished. And if you recall, it's exactly what Jesus said as He hung on the cross. Before He breathed His last breath and committed His soul to the Father, He said, now it is finished. Now the deal is done. Now the divine exchange has taken place. My work is finished. My work is complete. I stepped in. I've become the propitiation for their sin, and I've done everything that I can do. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father Church. You see, the reality is, I want you to understand, the Bible tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me. I want you to understand that he's, listen, he don't have to pray for your healing when he intercedes because the healing's already been provided for. I want you to understand that Jesus is not kneeling beside His Father interceding for your victory because the victory's already been provided for. He's not interceding for your courage and He's not interceding for, for your blessing because all of that work has already been done. It's why Jesus sat down. If it wasn't already provided for, He'd still be standing up. But I want you to know that Jesus is interceding for one thing, for you to appropriate what He's done in your life. For you to believe it, for you to receive it, for you to step out inside of it and receive everything that He has for you. That's what He's doing with the Father right now. That's why, that's what He's interceding for. He's interceding so that you and I can begin to understand and operate uh, according to the power of this divine exchange in our life. It's what He wants from us, church. This is what we need to understand. Jesus didn't sit down after he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't sit down after he was betrayed and arrested. He didn't sit down after he was denied and abandoned by his best friends. He didn't sit down after he was beaten, battered, and bruised. He didn't sit down after the beard was plucked from his face and he was beaten to a pulp and you couldn't even recognize who he was. He wasn't, he didn't sit down. After they nailed some nails into his hands and to his feet and shoved a crown upon his head and stuck a, a spear into his side. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus sat down after the work was done. Jesus sat down after he stepped in and took our place. He did not sit down before that. He negotiated a deal with the Father, and the Father accepted it, and then he sat down. After everything that he could do, he did. And when we reject that sacrifice, I hope you understand how powerful that is. You know what it means to trample on the blood of Jesus Christ? It means to, that's what it means. It means to just trample over what Jesus did for us. He gave His only life. God gave His only begotten Son. When you and I don't accept that divine exchange, when we reject it and pass over it and think there's some other way we can get to God or that we can live our life without it, we can dare face the Father without the blood of Jesus Christ. We trample on the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus sat down after He took our place and the work was done, church. And the trade that I'm talking about, this exchange that I'm talking about, this swap, whatever you want to call it, uh, that I'm talking about, is this. It is the fact that He was wounded for our transgressions. It's the fact that He was bruised for our iniquities. That the chastisement, the punishment 
for our peace was, was placed upon his shoulders and by his stripes, you and I are healed, church. That's the, that's the exchange that I'm talking about. The first exchange is that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon his shoulders. That's the first exchange that I'm talking about. Listen, I said all that because we have to learn that we have to learn that if the, if we don't understand this part in our journey, the rest of it doesn't mean anything. What, what I say all this because we have to learn con, what we have to learn concerning these divine exchanges is that everything that he did concerning all of these exchanges is completely complete. Every one of these Divine exchanges has been made available to us. I know I talked last week about uh, through the cross we received everything that we need. But when we get into these divine exchanges, this is where we learn how we have received everything that we need. And I want you to understand that every single one of these divine exchanges is completely complete. It's been done. It's been signed, sealed, and delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And nothing can take it away from us except us rejecting it. Nothing can take it away from us because what we learned last week, that what God locks, no one can unlock, but what, what He unlocks... The devil can't lock again. This is what we need to understand. These are all been made available to us, and we have to learn to live our lives accordingly. Each and every exchange I mentioned is full of the power of the blood of Christ, and it's available to us who have been sanctified in that blood. You see, listen to me, church. You cannot benefit from any of these exchanges until you let Jesus take your place. The reality is you and I can't benefit from any of these designs until you're willing to say, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me. You and I cannot experience or enjoy these nine divine exchanges until we are willing to let Jesus Christ take our place. You see, so often we want to live our life unto ourselves and do our own things, and we wonder where all the blessings are. And God, I thought this was provided for on the cross, while Jesus is standing there saying, Look, if you would just allow me to take your place, if you would just allow me to step in. You see, you remember the Bible says that if, you, if we are in Him and He is within us, we can ask anything, and it will be given to us. But we don't get because we're not in him or he's not in us. We kind of got it all backwards, church. The reality is if we would just trust in the power of the cross, if we would just trust in this divine exchange that's been made available to us and say, okay, God, okay, Christ, come on in. It's no longer I that live, that you that live within me. And when we do that, listen, all of the power, all of the promises, all of the blessings that are, that are available through the cross will flow into our lives. Listen, why do you think, why do you think the devil wants to move the cross out of your life? It's because the cross is the only place that can make you perfect. Because the cross is the only place that can make you holy. The, the, the cross is the only place where, where you can be made whole. The, the cross is the only place where you and I can be sanctified through the blood of Jesus Christ. He has perfected forever those who are sanctified. The reality is, unless we're sanctified and washed in the blood, we're still imperfect. Unless we're sanctified and washed in the blood of the Lamb. I, I understand, listen, in the human nature, I am imperfect. But when Christ is in me... And I am in Christ. I can be. I am, according to the word of God, the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ who died on the cross. 
And the devil can tell you otherwise. And the devil can tell me otherwise. But I know what the Word of God says. And my God's not a liar. Through the work of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ, when I step into Him and He steps into me, I am now the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. We need to learn to live that way, church. We need to learn how to appropriate the power of this exchange in our lives. The main reason the devil wants to move the cross out of your life is because he knows the power that is in the old rugged cross. The reason that he wants to cover it up or move it or cloud it or, 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 or decorate it or candy coat it is because he knows the power of the plain old rugged cross. Listen, I hope you realize the cross doesn't need any decorations. I hope you realize that the cross of Jesus Christ doesn't need the work of man to be attached to it. I hope you understand that the work of Jesus Christ and the old rugged cross is completely complete without any help from you and me. And it's why we need the cross. Because without it, we're nothing. Because without it, we're lost. Because without it, we're wandering in darkness. Because without it, we're wicked. Because without it, our, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Because without the cross, it doesn't matter how good we are. We're still going to hell. Listen, I don't mean to be unkind, but there's going to be a lot of nice, well-mannered people in hell. Not because they were wicked individuals. It's because they did not allow Jesus Christ to take their place. Because they did not appropriate this divine exchange that took place on the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the truth that we need to learn, church. The devil himself knows the exchange, the devil himself knows that the exchange that took place on the cross makes available to us all the power of heaven. So he will do everything that he can to move it out of our lives. The devil knows what will happen when you and I begin to appropriate the power of that divine exchange in our lives. You see, the devil knows what will happen in our life, like I said just a moment ago, when you and I decide to say, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. You see, the devil don't care if you... The devil going to leave you alone... If you're living unto yourself all the time, if it's just you that's seen, if it's just you that's heard, if it's just us, the devil's not going to mess with that. But the devil knows what will happen in our lives when we come to that place where we let Jesus take our place so that it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within us. He knows that it's then that the power of heaven will be released into our lives and that we can advance the kingdom of God. That's what he worries about, and that's why he will cloud and crowd out the cross in our lives. Because it's the only thing that he can't defeat. He can't defeat the cross. The cross defeated him. The cross defeated every technique, every scheme, everything about him. The cross defeated sickness, sin, death, depression, fear, anxiety. It it defeated everything. And it's why we've got to establish it and hide it in our lives. Because that's where we find victory. Again, I don't want to lose you here. But if we don't grasp this church, the rest of our journey won't mean anything. We've already learned that the cross has always been at the center of God's will. Amen? Therefore, anything relating to the cross, anything attached to the cross, anything resembling the cross in Scripture is part of God's will as well, including this divine exchange. I'm I'm getting to a point, but what you and I, the place that you and I have to come to concerning this divine exchange is that every part of it 
is part of God's absolute will for our lives. We can't question it. We can't doubt it. The devil will throw it against us. The devil will attack these areas of our lives. But if we have to believe that every single element of this divine exchange is part of God's divine will and plan for our lives. And when we receive that and we appropriate it, our spiritual lives will skyrocket to places that we've never been. So here's what we need to understand. Anything relating to the cross is part of God's will, including this divine exchange. What you and I have to understand is that Jesus, or God didn't send Jesus just to die on a cross. God didn't just send Jesus to a little town in Bethlehem to be born in a manger to preach to a few people and then just die on a cross. I want you to understand from the beginning of time, from the foundation of the earth, it was God's will for Jesus Christ to be at the center of this divine exchange. From the beginning of time, 2,000 years ago, from the foundation of the earth, from eternity, church, meaning forget about your watch and your daytimer and your clock and our calendars, from the foundation of the earth in eternity, You and I need to understand that it was God's will for Jesus to take our place. It was part of His will from as long as time exists. was for Jesus Christ Himself to step in and be the propitiation for our sins, to step in and take our place, to be punished on our behalf. It was God's will for Jesus to take our place so that we might receive everything that God has available to us, church. My point is this. If you truly believe that this divine exchange was and is part of God's will, and how many of you know that God never changes? How many of you know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? He's the one who was and is and still to come. My point is simply this. If if this divine exchange was God's will 2,000 years ago, it was God's will today. If it was God's divine will from the foundation of the earth, it's still God's will today. And it will be a 1,000 years from now and 2,000 years from now if God decides to tarry that long. I don't believe He will. But God's will is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We might think because we're living in modern times and modern days that the will of God has changed in our life. That somehow the Word of God, which is the will of God, doesn't apply because we're living in a modern society and a contemporary society. What was wrong 2,000 years ago is wrong today. What was unrighteous 2,000 years ago is unrighteous today. What grieved God 1,000 years ago grieves God today. What God blessed 2,000 years ago ago, He'll bless today. What He cursed 2,000 years ago, He'll curse today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if we believe that this divine exchange was and is still part of God's will, here's what you have to learn. Then you have to believe that it is God's will for us to be forgiven. Then you have to believe that it is God's will for us to be healed. Then you have to believe that it is God's will for us to be righteous. That it's God's will for us to have life eternal. That it's God's will for us to receive His blessings and His abundance and to share in His glory and to share in His acceptance. If you believe that this divine exchange was and still remains part of God's will, then you must believe as well that it's God's will for us to walk in newness of life. If you believe that the the divine exchange was part of God's will, then every part of that divine exchange we must claim for our own lives. Listen, if you pray, well, God, if if it's your will, God, for my brother to be saved, 
If it's your will for my brother to come out of darkness into glorious light, you know what I'm doing? I'm watering down the work of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that Jesus gave his son's life so that I can pray, God, I know it's your will for my brother to be saved because you're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. So I'm not going to pray if it be thy will. I'm going to pray that your will be done in his life and your will is for my brother, my son, my daughter, my wife, my husband to be saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying, church. If you believe the divine exchange was God's will, then salvation and forgiveness is His will too. And you should never speak contrary to the will of God. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but next week I'm preaching on healing. He bore, our, he bore the stripes for our healing, church. I want you to understand. Don't waste your time praying, God, if it's your will for this person to be healed... You're, you're praying against the will of the Father. It is God's will for us to experience divine healing in our lives. And if you're going to pray for somebody to be made well, you've got to cling to this promise that it's part of God's will for God's people to be healed. And if you pray less than that, you're praying for less than what God has available to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to get into detail of that next week. But I want my point is simply that if you believe in the divine exchange and that it is the will of God, then every part of it has to be part of our spiritual life. Make sure that your prayers, make sure that your conversation, make sure that your meditation and communion with God and communion with other individuals reflects this promise, reflects this divine exchange, church. When you go around, listen, I hope you grasp what I'm saying. I don't want to get too much ahead of myself but, uh, for next week, but I want you to understand, and I've, I've had to catch myself doing this. It's my confession when I get frustrated with certain things, and I don't say it anymore because the Holy Spirit has convicted me of it, but I get frustrated with certain things, certain individuals, certain things that are going on in my life, and you know how quickly we've all might have said it. I'm sick and tired of this. You know what? Guess what you're doing? You're speaking against the divine exchange that God made available to us. That conversation, that kind of comment is contrary to what God has made available to us and the power that God has made available to us. So when you begin to rebuke the devil, rebuke him according to this divine exchange that took place. If you need to rise up in faith and you need to strengthen your faith, let it all be based around this divine exchange that took place in our lives. What has truly been made available to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, received it, and it will be yours. Believe that you have received it through the work of Jesus Christ and it will be yours. Believe that you have received it. Listen, not just because you asked for it. Well, God... I believe I receive it just because I asked for it. God, I believe I received it because you told me to ask for it. That's not the attitude. That's not what I'm saying is you got to believe that you received it not just because you asked for it, not just because you claimed it, not even because you need it or desire it. You've got to believe that you've received it because it has been provided for in this divine exchange that took place on the cross of Jesus Christ. Pray. 
It says, whenever you ask in prayer, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So my point is, if you're going to ask for forgiveness, believe that it's been provided for through the work of Jesus Christ. If you're going to ask for healing or pray for healing, believe that it's already been provided for. Believe that you've already received it through the work of Jesus Christ and, and appropriate it so it can be released into your life. And for any of these divine exchanges, church... You see, if, you're, if you want to receive blessings, if you pray for blessings in your life, you've got to pray believing that it's already been provided for. Pray as if believe you've already received it and it will be yours. It's this thing called faith, church, trusting in the divine exchange that took place on the cross of Christ. Listen, the reality is if you don't believe in the divine exchange, you and I won't have it. If you and I don't believe in his forgiveness, we can't walk in forgiveness if you and I don't believe in his healing, you and I can't experience his healing church. If we don't believe that these nine divine exchanges were completed upon the cross of Christ, they won't be ours. We have to pray believing that we've received it. And the Bible says it shall be yours. We must believe that the exchange was so complete that Jesus sat down. And I want you to remember, if you don't remember anything else... I always want you to remember that when you face a struggle in your life and the devil's all after you and the devil's speaking all sorts of lies, I want you to remember that Jesus sat down. I want you to remember that every single thing you need, like we talked about last week, if you need healing, Jesus provided it and sat down. If you need courage, Jesus provided it and sat down. You understand what I'm saying? That must be part of our spiritual growth and faith process, church. Listen, the problem is so many of us, I believe, and I've been there, church, so often we live our lives like Jesus is still standing. So often we go through our Christian life like Jesus still has something to do. Like Jesus still has some work to do in order for me to live like I'm supposed to live. So often we go through our Christian life like waiting for Jesus. Well, Jesus, when are you going to do this? Well, well when are you going to do that? What are you sitting down for, Jesus? Don't you see the need I got? Don't you see this? Don't you? What are you sitting down for? Aren't you going to get busy, Jesus? Aren't you going to get busy, God? So often we live our Christian life like Jesus is standing up. When we should be living our life like the work's already been done. And we just have to appropriate it in our life. Listen, I told you last week, Jesus doesn't have to do diddly. It's already been done. You and I are the ones that have to learn how to appropriate what He's done in our lives so we can walk in the fullness of this divine exchange. You see, listen, I, I, this is not to be mean or judgmental. I, the, the, the reality is, if you walk around in life constantly defeated, if you walk around in life with a constant struggle with sin, always overcome, always overwhelmed, you haven't traded places with Jesus. I want you to understand, because when you trade places with Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. You are the righteousness of God. You are the head and not the tail. You are the above and not the beneath. So when you, when you go through your entire, listen, I don't say this, and I'll speak this to somebody that I even counsel in my office. Their whole life seems to be one just big struggle and failure and falling after another. Constant struggle with sin. They have not traded places with Jesus. The old man hadn't died yet. 
They hadn't gone to the cross. They haven't crucified Him themselves with Christ. They're trying to do it in their own strength. They're trying to do it in their own power. They think if I do this or I go to that or if I see this or hear that or it's all their own work when all they've got to do is trade places with Jesus. Jesus, here I am. Tried on my own. I've struggled on my own. I've failed on my own. I've fallen on my own. I've got hurt on my own. I've messed up on my own. I did it all wrong on my own, God. So obviously, I need someone else. I, I, I need something else. Look, and we need to trade it with Jesus. I, I, I hope you grasp this, church. If we want to enjoy the fullness of the cross, we have to appropriate it completely in our lives. The first two aspects of this divine exchange are revealed in Isaiah 53, chapter, or chapter 53, verses 4 to 6. When Isaiah, 700 years before the cross, prophesies about the cross. 700 years before the cross of Jesus Christ, before the high priest showed up, Jesus as the high priest, before the precious Lamb of God showed up, 700 years before the cross of Christ, Isaiah prophesied and said, Surely... He has borne our griefs and shared our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon his shoulders and by his stripes we are healed. Seven hundred years before the cross of Jesus Christ, Isaiah prophesies our need for the cross of Jesus Christ. 700 years before this divine exchange took place on Golgotha's hill, I want you to understand that God showed us the divine exchange. He outlined it right here. He understood. He outlined the fact that we need someone to take away our sins. We need someone to step in on our behalf because there's nothing we can do on our own that would qualify us to stand before the Lord. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, The chastisement of our peace was placed upon his shoulders, church. Listen, he was punished. He was beaten. He was battered. He was bruised. He was disfigured. He was crucified for our sins. This is what took place upon the cross. He took everything you and I deserved. It was the first and foremost exchange that took place upon the cross of Jesus Christ because without the forgiveness of sins, we will live under the wrath of God instead of under His grace. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, without this divine exchange, we will live under the wrath and the punishment of God and the chastisement of God instead of under His grace, church. He was punished so that we might be forgiven. What I want to focus on in the last few minutes is the chastisement of our peace was placed upon his shoulders. You know what chastisement means. It means punishment. He was punished so that we might have peace with God. This is what this passage of Scripture is saying. He was punished so that we might have peace with God. And the reality is, unless our sins are forgiven, we cannot have peace with God. Because the reality is, God won't make peace with sin. There is no peace with God where there is sin. You see, the reality is God won't compromise with sin. God won't negotiate with sin. God won't excuse sin. The only thing God will do concerning sin is punish it. 
The only thing God will do concerning sin is allow his wrath and judgment to come upon it. That, that's why we needed someone to step in and take our punishment. And I hope you realize that's what happened with Jesus Christ. He stepped in and he took our punishment. What you and I deserve for the lousy lives we live, for the sin that's hiding deep down in the soil of our soul, for the evil, wicked thoughts, for the things that we look at, the things that we do, the things that we say. He took our punishment for the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. He took what we deserve, church. And He took it all the way to Golgotha and He took it all the way to the grave so that you and I might have peace with God. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the last verse of Isaiah 48, it says that there is no peace for the wicked. If you look at the last verse of Isaiah 57, it says the same thing. There is no peace for the wicked. If you look at the last verse of Isaiah 66, it says that the fire of the wicked will not be quenched. It will not be put out because God will not tolerate sin, church. The reality is, listen, and we always have to remember the wages of sin is death. The compensation of sin, the penalty of sin, whatever the payment for sin, the outcome of sin, the consequences, whatever you want to say, the end result of sin is death, punishment, judgment, chastisement for our sin. But the free gift of God is eternal life through the divine exchange that took place upon the cross of Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to see. I'm going to start winding it down in just a minute. But I want you to understand that on the cross, the Bible says in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The truth is, no matter, like I said, no matter how much we try on our own, no matter what good deeds we do, no matter how big our Bible is, no matter how many times a week we come to church, no matter how many songs we sing or even how much money we give, and listen, we should be doing all those things. But it doesn't matter if you have all those things and do all those things without the cross of Jesus Christ, without the blood of Jesus Christ, without this divine exchange, you and I cannot have peace with God. Without the cross, we face wrath. Without the cross, we face punishment. The punishment of our peace was placed upon his shoulders, church. And here's what I want to teach you before I begin to close. Here's what happened on the cross I mean, we can say it happened 2,000 years ago, but it, 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 it took place, and this deal was done at the foundation of the earth. Jesus made a deal with God, and God accepted the offer. This is what Jesus said, I'll take their punishment, I'll take their sin, I'll take their iniquity, I'll take all of their wickedness, I'll take all of the judgment, the wrath, the punishment, the chastisement that's attached to it, I'll take it, just so they can have peace with you, God. I'll take everything that's wicked, everything that's evil, everything that's ugly, everything you hate and despise, everything that you would have to turn your face away from, everything that grieves you, God, everything, all of the lust of the flesh, all of the lust of the eyes, all of the pride of life, all of their sins, all of their vices, I'll take it all, God, and I'll put it on my shoulders, I'll put it on my back. And I will take all of the punishment, all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the shame, all of the chastisement, all of the ridicule. I'll take all of the, the judgment that is attached to sin and I'll put it on my shoulders as well. Just so they can have peace with you. Just so they can come into relationship with you. And here's what I want you to see, church. In the Hebrew... 
The word iniquity is avon. You might say avon, but it's avon. The word iniquity in the word of God in Hebrew is avon. So Jesus is saying he was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for He uses the word avon. But here's what I want you to see. All throughout Scripture, when you look at the word punishment that's a, that, that is the result of sin, when you look at the word wrath or judgment or punishment or chastisement that is attached to, the, to sin as a consequence, it's the same exact word. It's the same word, avon. I say that. I don't want to lose you here. I want you to understand that God used the same word for iniquity and its punishment for a reason. It's because sin and wrath can't be separated. It's because sin and judgment cannot come apart. You got one, you can't have one without the other. The problem with our society and the problem even in the house of God is we think we can sin and get away with it. We think we can sin and not be punished. We think we can have avon iniquity in our life without avon the punishment in our life. But they are woven together in the eyes of God and the mind of God and the plan of God. The wages of sin is death. They cannot be separated. They will not come apart. Here's why we needed someone to step in. Because punishment had to take place. Punishment had to be served. A price had to be paid. You and I deserved it, but Jesus stepped in and took our punishment instead. Because sin can't be separated from punishment, and punishment can't be separated from sin. You and I must have a Redeemer. You and I must have someone that was willing to step in and take the punishment. I hope you realize, listen, someone had to pay the price for our peace with God. Someone had to pay the price for our forgiveness. Someone had to suffer for our sins. Someone had to be punished for our sins. Someone had to experience the Avon punishment of our Avon iniquity. And it was Jesus Christ. Jesus stepped in and became our whipping boy. Jesus paid the price, listen, so you and I can have peace with God. Because of this divine exchange that took place upon the cross of Jesus Christ. And when you and I begin, listen, when you and I begin to appropriate the power of what Jesus did. Listen, when you and I truly begin to understand what Jesus did on the cross... You're gonna, we're going to think twice about sinning. We're going to think twice about grieving God. We're going to think twice about the words that we speak and the things that we do and the thoughts that we think and the things that we make available when we truly, truly grasp what Jesus Christ did upon the cross and how he stepped in. We need to be mindful every time we, we do what God doesn't want us to do. We should be mindful of the punishment that Jesus took for that sin. When you, when you or I decide to walk in our own ways, oh, today, God, you know, I know your Holy Spirit's telling me I shouldn't do this. I know that, you know, uh, but I'm going to do it anyway. We need to be reminded of the pain and the suffering that Jesus experienced. Because, listen, someone has to pay the price for our sin. Someone had to step in. And I'm glad that Jesus stepped in because of this divine exchange so that we might have forgiveness and that we might have peace with God. Amen. If you're thankful 
for this divine exchange. I want you to just stand to your feet so we can pray. Thank God for stepping in on our behalf. If you're here tonight, say, you know, all I want to do tonight, church, is we want to say thank you, God, for stepping in. Thank you, God, for taking my punishment. And it shouldn't be just tonight. We should pray this every single day. You know, the reality is also, if you don't have peace with God, you can have peace with God tonight. There's something in your life tonight that's not right. If you've got something where you've been walking in your own ways, you can't, ex- you just don't seem to be experiencing that, that peace with God like he's far off or seem to be experiencing his wrath or punishment instead, you can have peace with God tonight just by asking Jesus to step in and take your place. So whatever your need is tonight, please know it's been, made, it's been provided for through this divine exchange on the cross of Jesus Christ. Father God, we just thank you for your word this evening. I thank you for every individual that's here this evening, God, to hear your word and receive from your word. I pray, God, that the word that was spoken this evening, God, would find a place in the soil of our soul. God, help us to never take lightly this divine exchange that took place upon an old rugged cross. Help us to never take lightly, Father, the fact that your son, the precious lamb of God, the spotless lamb of God, stepped in bore our iniquities and took our guilt and took all of that sin and wickedness along with its pain, along with its punishment, along with the judgment, along with the wrath, all in order for us to have peace with you. So God, I praise you for that peace that we have with you this evening. I praise you for the sacrifice. I praise you for the precious lamb of God. I praise you for this divine exchange that took place upon the cross of Jesus Christ. I praise you that we got what we didn't deserve. I praise you for the fact that your son was willing to receive what we deserved so that we might have peace with you. Draw us closer to the cross, Father. Draw us closer to your side. Draw us closer to that place, God, where we can experience the full power of heaven in our lives. Help us, Father God, to always keep the cross at center stage in our lives. Help us to run to the cross. Help us to hide ourselves in the cross. Help us to lean upon the cross. Help us to trust upon the cross. Help us to have confidence in the cross. Help us to use the cross, Father God, and the work of the cross against everything that would come against our lives. Because in the cross of Jesus Christ, as we learned last week, we've received everything that we need. Thank you for stepping in, God. And God, if there's anyone here this evening that needs you to step into their life, I pray that you would do that, God. I pray that every single one of us in this place this evening would be willing to say, God, I've lived for myself long enough, but now it's got to be not I that live, but you that live within me. So, God, if there is that individual tonight that seems to be living under your wrath and your punishment and the cloud of your judgment, God, let them have peace with you by accepting the work of your son, Jesus Christ, upon the cross and just asking him to take their place. I pray, God, that that individual would have the courage to speak with someone after the service, myself or an usher or a prayer team person, God, that they wouldn't leave here doubting, Father God, their relationship with you and the peace that they can have with you. Cover us, I pray, God, with your peace, your protection, and your power and your presence. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. May bless the Lord tonight, church. Amen. If you have a special need request, want to follow up with any of those prayers, I'd be happy to tarry with you. Otherwise, be blessed and walk in the power of the cross. Amen.